I was thinking uh, this week that there are two types of worriers in the world. There are, there's the type of worriers who worry that nothing they do matters, that their life and their effort really doesn't do uh, much, has no consequence. And then there's the type of worrier that worries that everything they do matters, that it is of great consequence and they're going to screw it up. Uh, so if you're a worrier, which, which type of worrier are you? Are you the worrier that worries that no matter what you do, it doesn't really matter, there's no consequence or significance to your life? Are you the sort of worrier that worries, man, I'm afraid to do anything because it matters so much? How many of you are the, are the type of worrier that worries that I'm just going to ask pointed questions all morning long and try to get you to, to answer it? I think the truth is uh, that uh, this is a life of consequence. It is a life of tremendous consequence, uh, which is simply another way to say that this is a life of great purpose and promise, that you have a reason in your life. There's something that you are supposed to do. Right? You are a person of consequence. And you can either worry about screwing that up, or you can trust uh, that God is with you and that uh, if you just keep at it, good things will happen. We share stories because at, at Blue Water we want to foster a keep at it attitude. You know, uh, we uh, have some not so successful stories, some successful stories, uh, but we believe because our lives are full of purpose that if we just keep at it, we will get good outcomes, uh, that we will produce fruit. Are you with me? Yeah? Anyone? Are you with me? Yeah. I, I do feel like Jeannie said earlier, we're just a bit lethargic today, so give a high five to the person next to you. <laughs> I saw several injuries happen while we were doing that. So hopefully when we come together uh, each week on Sunday, it's a time of inspiration. Uh, it inspires you to do the right thing uh, because uh, the world always discourages doing the right thing. You know, always tries to dampen it somehow. Uh, and, and we try to encourage one another to do stuff that often we already know we should do, right? But it's helpful to come together and to encourage and inspire one another just to do the stuff that we know we should do. We've been studying in this sermon series how life in the kingdom of God, life for believers, should be incredibly fruitful. Jesus calls us the salt of the earth, the light of the world. He makes us sound like a big deal. He makes it sound like we are people of tremendous consequence and that we really should be shaping the earth. He says that that's kind of normal for people who follow him. We're supposed to be amazingly fruitful in life. Uh, as he says in one parable, we're supposed to produce crops of 60 or, or even 100-fold. You're supposed to multiply your faith in your world by influencing lives around you and just spreading the joy and spreading the trust uh, in a, an explosively fruitful fashion. But what if we're not explosively fruitful? And we've been examining that question. 
uh, and asking ourselves, what might get in the way of explosive kingdom fruitfulness in our lives? And we've been examining some things that can get in the way, often by just taking us out of the game, by convincing us not to try. You know, we've take, taken a look at, uh, you know, the way we can sometimes get offended by God because life can be hard. Or we can be fearful and that can shut us down. Um, last week we talked about how just, you know, normal life and the details of normal life can crowd out uh, kingdom ministry in our normal day. Uh, today I want to talk about, uh, well, sin, just to put a word on it. Um, it probably won't surprise anyone if I say that sin might get in the way of explosive kingdom fruitfulness in your life. And it does. You know. Most often, I think, it's not the sort of sin wherein we do what we're not supposed to do. I think oftentimes it's the sort of sin where we don't do what we're supposed to do. Right? It's not that sort of sin where we do what we're not supposed to do. It's that sort of sin where we fail to do what we are supposed to do. And that's what I want to talk about today. What are we supposed to do as followers of Jesus? Um, say a lot of things. We had a wonderful guest speaker several weeks back who uh, suggested that if you took all of, of Jesus' commandments to his disciples and you sort of gathered them into categories, you know, sort of uh, eliminated all the repetitions and the redundancies and stuff like that and sort of grouped commandments into types that, that you can... You can uh, convey all of Jesus' commandments in just seven summary commandments. Jesus commanded us to do seven things, only seven in general. And I've gone through this list, and I think, well, you know, they're more or less right. You could quibble with it. You could, you know, change one or two. You could expand it a little bit or contract it a little bit. But I think it's really not a, a bad list. Here are the seven things. They're up on the big board there. Uh, one, he commands us to repent, believe, and receive the Holy Spirit. Um, repent means to change your mind or change your thinking. So he commands us to understand life and God in a new way, to believe or to trust in God uh, in a new way, and to receive the Holy Spirit, which is the, the indwelling spirit of the Lord, uh, so that you can live according to your new understandings. Uh, in other words, you know, change and accept God is good for you. Make him Lord of your life. Number two, love. Uh, particularly tells us to love selflessly, to love those who cannot repay us for our love or our good deeds, to love those who don't deserve love. You know, I think of uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, where he says, well, actually the highest form of love is to love your enemies, to love the people who are actually trying to destroy you. So selfless love, number two. Uh, number three, he, he tells us to break bread, eat, and fellowship with one another. Um, just say, you know, fellowship, get together in communities of faith. Gather together and remember Jesus and what Jesus taught us and stuff like that. What we're doing here this morning is actually in obedience uh, to this uh, third command. Number four, he tells us to pray. He tells us actually to pray quite a bit uh, and to pray in a personal sort of conversation uh, with the Lord. Uh, Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer, you know, he gives us 
fairly explicit instructions about yeah, and it's sort of the general character of what a good conversation with uh, Father God might be like. Uh, number five, he tells us to be generous. A whole bunch of different teachings uh, about this, some of them quite shocking. Uh, if somebody exploitively asks you for your cloak, give them your shirt as well. You know, he tells us to be ridiculously uh, generous people and also to give to those who cannot pay us back to be selflessly generous. We're supposed to be a materially generous uh, community. Number six and seven are interesting. He tells us to baptize people. You might think that Jesus commanded people to get baptized. Actually, Jesus commanded people to baptize other people. Uh, that's the commandment. Uh, now, baptism, you know, dunking someone in water obviously, has less to do with the actual ritual as it does with what it represents. I think what Jesus is saying there is, no, bring people to faith in God. If baptism is a ritual of new beginning, what he's saying is, bring new beginning into people's lives. Get them to accept Jesus as Lord. Convert is that nasty Christian word uh, that we use a lot. Uh, but, you know, convert people, change people for the better toward God. Change people toward God. And uh, the seventh one is to make disciples. That when people get changed toward God, then uh, teach them, train them, make them more like Jesus, turn them uh, into followers. Not just believers, uh, but followers. Now the ones, did any of those surprise you? Anyone stick out? The ones that sometimes surprise people, and even veterans of following Jesus, are six and seven. Uh, baptize people and make disciples. And I think they're surprising in, in this way. We all know about baptism, and we all know about discipleship. Do we all realize that we are actually ordered by Jesus to convert people and make them disciples? You are ordered, you know. If you, were, if you were to group Jesus' commandments into just these seven and just reduce them to the most essential, we are actually under orders to evangelize and raise people up. And if we're not doing that, then we are in disobedience. And I just think, man, that's, that's a little bit, I don't know, is that sobering or is that inspirational? I go back and forth on it. If you want to be obedient... You have to gather folks into the kingdom of God, and you have to bring folks into trusting relationship with the Lord. And if you're like I have been often in life, you think something like, well, yeah, it would be nice to bring somebody to faith. It would be nice to bring somebody to a point of conversion, of grand changefulness in, in their life. But it's more than that. Technically, we're being disobedient if we don't do that. That's either a fair bit of pressure or a fair bit of inspiration, depending on how you look at it. Have you ever thought about that as a commandment? You know, as an order? You know, if you fail to love someone, oh sure, that's sinful. If you fail to evangelize someone, sinful? I don't know, it's, it's a funny way uh, to think about it. Um, here's a popular verse from Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Can anyone just quote it? Come on. Shout it out. Okay. 
Go in all the world and make disciples of all nations. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Yes, and it's called uh, popularly the Great Commission, right? One of the most famous uh, verses, uh, commandments in all of Scripture. Um, Is that up there? Yeah, on the big board. Then Jesus said to them, and this is Jesus giving some just final instructions to his disciples uh, before leaving earth. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The Great Commission, the Great Evangelistic uh, Commission uh, to those of us who follow Jesus. To, to paraphrase it in the vernacular, basically Jesus is saying, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He's saying, hey, okay, I'm in charge, and here's what I say to do. Convert people and cause them to grow up in me. I'll be there to help. It's <laughs> basically what he's saying. I'm in charge. I'm giving orders now. Uh, got all authority. So go out there, convert people, train them up uh, to be good followers and ministers in the kingdom of God. I'll be with you to help. That's it. The Great Commission. I think when we call it a commission, uh, we are we're going a little easy on ourselves because it really is an order. <laughs> you know, you could, sh- you could call it something like the standing order or something like that. It's something that we're all supposed to be uh, following. Uh, baptize people. Convert them. Hey, incidentally, Christmas Eve, the Christmas Eve service this year, we're going to do a baptism celebration on the beach, Christmas Eve service. Anybody want to be baptized on Christmas Eve? How cool is that? Come on. Yeah? So, uh, some opportunity to, uh, to be obedient on Christmas Eve. And then what you want to do is you want to disciple them, you want to discipline them, you want to train them, inspire them to do the right things, uh, in other words. How do we go about doing that? How do we go about following this order? How do we go about changing people toward God and growing them up in God? Well, I don't know. You name it. There are a whole bunch of books at Christian bookstores written about how to do that. But the thing I like about the Great Commission is that Jesus promises to be there to help, right? Then I will be with you as you do this, Uh, which is sort of subtly implying it might be a little challenging, right? (laughs) A little reassuring to know that Jesus is going to hang with you. It's going to take something. Uh, last week, we talked about ministering in normal settings. How many people tried it this week? I mean, honestly, how, how, many, how many of you just tried to reach out to someone around you in normal life? About, what, 12 of you? All right, out of, I don't know, 300 or so. Um, it's hard, right? Uh, and so that's something that you want to be working with Jesus on. You know, you want him to help you do, do that because it's actually an order and you're actually in disobedience if you don't. You know. Why why would it be an order? Jesus cares very much about this. He thinks it's important for people to know uh, the truth about God that there is a father in heaven who actually loves people who has already forgiven them and who has amazing things uh, for them to do. That's a fact worth knowing. 
And it's very important to Jesus that we help people uh, to know that. God has partnered with us to get things done on earth. That has to do with how uh, he weaves faith into life. Uh, He wants us to step out in faith. Anyway, it's important to him. And we need to follow through on it. The big trick to fruitfulness as a faith family is for us to make our offices, our job sites, our classrooms, our neighborhoods, our gyms, places where we obey this order. We kind of bring the kingdom into normal life. I like the way uh, that the Great Commission uh, comes across in the last chapter of a different gospel, the, the gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 16. Jesus says to the same, same group, preach the good news to all creation. And these signs will accompany those who, buy, who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll pick up snakes with their hands. They'll drink deadly poison and it won't hurt them at all. They'll place their hands on sick people and they will get well. In other words, we have help. You know, if necessary, we have some supernatural juice uh, to back us up. You know, I'd like to help you today. You're sick. Well, I'm actually going to try to heal you. In Jesus' name. That's one way for me to communicate that God is good. He really, really loves you. It's a great way for me to communicate it. In addition, I will preach good news. I will say that God is good. You know, I won't preach that you are bad. I will preach that God is good. And show you that God is good. Uh, all right, so I mean, that's, that's basically it. I just wanted to point out, not so subtly, that reaching out to people in order to bring them to faith, is an order. So how many of you are in disobedience to that order? Yeah. Um, Now, if you know anything about Jesus, you've studied him at all, you've followed him for any length of time, then you know he's absolutely not into defining or measuring sin in people, right? I mean, this is a guy that will do almost anything not to see sin in people if the gospel accounts are any guide. So that's not the point. The point is not to figure out if you're in disobedience and in sin and how awful you are. Shame is never the point in the kingdom of God. In fact, I am fond of pointing out that Jesus exclusively uses sinners to advance his mission in the world. Yay, who's excited about that? I qualify Uh, One picture of grace is that God forgives us in such a way that nothing disqualifies us from the job. That wretched sinner though I may be, I still get to talk about how good God is and hopefully get other people uh, to believe it. The point is, is not to understand how disobedient I am. The point is to understand that I am a person of consequence. That I am a person of some authority and purpose because Jesus has seen to it. Um, Jesus, having attained authority through loving sacrifice, orders me to accomplish the most important thing in the world, to gather other people into his family. And we need to respect that, right? It's just something that we need to respect in our life with Jesus. We're under orders to bring people to faith in God. It actually isn't a negotiable. It's actually not a a nice thing that we'll get to if we have the opportunity. It's actually a direct and urgent command. If the 
tradition as any guide, it's the great command. Um, so I was just asking myself this week, am I treating it that way or am I treating it as a negotiable? Am I treating it as like one of the biggest commandments uh, given to me by God? Or am I treating it as something that yeah, I'm happy to do if an opportunity arises, maybe if it's convenient, you know. What's my attitude uh, toward it? Had a, um, had a failure this week, uh, but it was a try. Um, there's a, a, a woman in our neighborhood um, who uh, was having a, a tough time in, in, in various ways. And uh, she had an injury, uh, had to get a moped to get around. The moped was stolen and, and then sort of re-injured her foot. Uh, and we live on a hill. And so Sonia and the kids uh, spied this woman walking home from the grocery store, walking up the hill with her injured foot uh, one day. Uh, and so, um, you know, being Sonia, she just sort of jumped in. And went, oh, my gosh, you know, what happened? You, you seem like you're hurt. She got the story from our neighbor. And so Sonia and the kids said, well, let's heal you. And so they prayed for her uh, in the middle of the street in front of our house uh, and did not get any any injuries out of that, thank goodness the cars didn't come, but I just, I was in the kitchen, I just happened to catch this at the time, and, uh, and then Sonia gave her invitations, she may show up to a, a come in healing service or something like that. But that was a try, the woman actually didn't get miraculously healed, at least not instantly, uh, and uh, I got the story uh, when Sonia uh, got in. So uh, a couple days later, I'm in the kitchen, and I'm washing dishes or something, and I see this woman uh, walking up our street again. Uh, and I'm like, you know, I'm like just in my shorts, so I'm not dressed. I had to run and get dressed. And I'm trying to catch her uh, to pray for her. And then I, I ran after her, and I didn't get there fast enough. That's why, that's why it was a fail. But what I did is I had this moment as I was gazing out the kitchen window, washing the dishes, like, you know, I, I don't think I can catch her. I don't think I can move fast enough. You know, I'd like to, to try to heal her as well, but I don't think I can get there in time. And then I, then I thought, but what if it's an order? <laughs> and somehow that helped me, you know, not because I'm a man who, you know, I'm really legalistic about God's orders, but like, no, I mean, if this is one of the big seven. It's really important. This is a standing order for me. So I went for it. Uh, you know, threw down the dishes and scampered to the bedroom and got dressed real quick. And then uh, I, I still failed. But it was a blessing to me because it helped me run down the street to try to help my neighbor. And it didn't work that day, but that's the attitude that I want. You know, God says to do it. It must be a big deal. I'm going to try. Uh, we're thinking about today for me, maybe for you as well. When is the last time you really tried to bring someone to faith? Just try it. Really try it. Uh, and that was the last time that you are obedient to number six and seven of Jesus' standing commandments. Sometimes it might just be that explosive fruitfulness is a matter of simply doing what we're told. But to the degree I've tried it, you might say, it hasn't worked. Maybe uh, it's even caused damage. Have you ever tried to share faith with someone and actually sort of scandalize them or damage them or just went really, really badly? Anyone? Not too many, actually, which is very encouraging. 
Um, you know, those conversations can go wrong if they think that you're just being very pushy or something like that. If there's one thing that is not cool and socially acceptable in postmodern America, it's evangelism. Am I right? Yes, it's a dirty word. Um, and, you know, it, it can be challenging. I get it. I fail often. You know, I fail too. It's a mix. Sometimes I succeed. But often I fail. And incidentally, it was the same for Jesus. I'm just saying. Some people really loved him. He had a lot of success with them. Others got so fed up with him, they killed him. Just saying. That was the Lord. He had a mixed bag of results. Some people that got excited about him, loved him, and followed him, just abandoned him along the way. You know those stories as well. That's Jesus, so I'm going to go way out on a limb and say he's probably sympathetic to our struggle. Yes? I think so. And that's nice. That's the kingdom of God. It's always a mixed bag. Jesus actually tells parables about this, doesn't he? He said the wheat and the weeds, they grow up together in the kingdom of God. That's just, that's just grace. There's got to be success, failure, righteousness, sin, repentance, unrepentance. It's always going to be a mixed bag for those of us who walk in the kingdom. And you just let it be that way. You keep going. There will come a time when it's sorted out at the end. Jesus is sympathetic, and that, I think, is why he promises to be with us to the end of the age. He promises to help us if we would just obey this commandment. Surprising things will happen. Grace will happen. Precisely where we don't think it will work, ah, it will work. If we are just obedient and do what we're told. We, as a community of faith at Blue Water Mission, are failing at this all the time. Are we not? How many of you have just failed administering to someone uh, in 2014. Beautiful. Be proud. Right? We are failing all the time. And I just kind of invite you to be part of the grand and epic failure uh, that is uh, Blue Water Mission because it's in a, is being willing to accept all of that failure uh, that we get fruitfulness. Isn't it? We are a mixed bag. We succeed sometimes. And we're doing it with Jesus' help. Let's pray. Just reminded, Lord, that uh, the standard is a, a faithfulness, is obedience to you. It's not necessarily uh, successful outcomes. Uh, obedience itself is a great success. Uh, I, I just pray, Lord, for the freedom of, of doing what we're told. Uh, letting the chips fall where they may, knowing that uh, it's always a mixed bag in the kingdom. It's always a colorful and checkered story, but a great story nonetheless. And I pray, Lord, like we prayed last week, that you would multiply the stories in our midst, that we would all just, you know, have interesting things to say. A bevy of 90-second testimonies on Sunday of stuff we've tried stuff we've succeeded at, stuff we've failed at, places where we've seen the grace of God. Till collectively, Lord, we have an explosive revival sort of fruitfulness. I pray uh, this morning, Holy Spirit, that you do ministry to individuals. Uh, I think some of us are discouraged, some of us are depressed, some of us are tired. 
some of us are uh, overstimulated. Uh, simplify things for us, Lord, uh, by just, just giving us nudges and commandments. That's, that's really what the commandments of Jesus are, I think. They're just great excuses uh, for focus. He keeps it simple. These are the things that you need to do if you want to be fruitful. Great instruction. Uh, Make us mindful of opportunities to obey in Jesus' name.